All right. Well, we're going to have a good time looking into the Word of God this morning. Today is a big day for us, and uh, we'll talk about that. For the Christian church around the world, it's a big day. We would say it's actually the big day for us. It's the big day. Of all the days, this one is the big one for us. And it's such a big day for us and the Christian church around the world. I was reminded of that when I looked to my emails yesterday and I get an email from Sierra Leone. And this is, uh, we have friends and brothers and sisters over there, a church that we've planted over there and, and we support. And they just said, Happy Easter. And so they're about eight, nine hours ahead of us. And they just said, It's a big day. The Savior's risen. Have a blessed day. Tell your church. And and they initiated that conversation. So I said, yeah, he is risen indeed. Enjoy your day. So let's see for them. They're probably going to bed about now. But anyway, it's a big day around the world. Because this Sunday, the, the Sunday after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when they went to the tomb, they, they found that it was empty. And Jesus was not just taken away, but then he appeared and he says, I'm alive, I've conquered death, I've conquered the enemy, I'm victorious. And so that is the reason this is the big day. We, we serve a risen Savior, and so we call this around here not just Easter, we call this Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> big day for us, big day because of the implications. And so I want to talk about some of those implications with us. I hope you have your Bible with you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24. If you want to follow along on a Bible or on your phone. Or if you need a Bible, there should be one sitting in front of you. We're going to be on page 884. 884. Kids, I'm glad that you're with us today. I think we've got some kids from kindergarten through fifth grade with us. And, and if you're here next week, we'll have classes for you. But hopefully you received a packet with your own worship program. And, and I better say this now because I forgot for service. But we have some goodies up here for you kids, okay? So don't forget this. At the end of the service, bring up your packet. And we've got a special gift for you kids there. In case I forget it, I said that. Okay. Big day today, the big day, and big days are worth celebrating, aren't they? This is why we had a reception down there, and I hope you got to take part of that. Uh, I just want to give a special thank you again for everyone who decorated and made the food and served us and did all that. It was just wonderful. Can we just say thank you? Thank you. It's amazing seeing people here early this morning cutting food and organizing the scones and people here yesterday decorating and all this last week preparing, so thank you. But big days are worth celebrating and that's why we have receptions and things like that. I started thinking about big days and I thought there are certainly big days throughout the year, aren't there? And as we do that, I thought... We have these big days throughout the calendar, but sometimes we miss the point of the big day. Are you with me on this? Sometimes we just miss the point of this day. We, it, we can do this with Easter. We can have Easter egg hunts. And, I, you know, we decorated some eggs yesterday at our home. And I imagine we're going to hide those and have fun with that. But even on Easter and other big days, we can miss the point. Before long, we can say, man, it's really about Easter eggs and eating ham. And it's like, wait, aren't we missing the point? I don't want us to miss the point today. And I started thinking about some other days. Independence Day. 
July 4th. That's a big day for us as a country, isn't it? July 4th, 1776. That's the date on the Declaration of Independence when we wrote and said, King of England, listen, we believe that we have certain rights given to us by our Creator. We have life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And so we are going to fight for our independence. It's an important day in our country. Big day. But sometimes we even miss the point of that day, don't we? July 4th means fireworks that night, right? Go spend all your money on the fireworks. Or for us, our family tradition that evolved in the last, I don't know, seven, ten years, is that we wake up and watch television on uh, July 4th. Nine o'clock, we turn to ESPN. And we watch the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest in New York. All right, these contestants line up to see how many hot dogs and buns they can put in their mouth in a course of 12 minutes. And the record's usually somewhere in the 50s that someone's... And we just love watching that. Well, I, don't, I enjoy watching it. The rest of, and at the end of the day, after hot dog eating contest, and then we try that, and then we light fireworks, sometimes we could say, did we miss the point of this day? Then I started thinking, well, you know, I've missed the point of other big days. Uh, the baby of our family, our third child, she had her first birthday years back. And uh, when we're decorating the house and getting ready for this birthday, you know, and I was probably supposed to take pictures and videos and things like that. In my mind, I was thinking, a bunch of people are coming over to our house and some guys are coming over to our house. And I want to get this tree removed in my backyard. And so when all the women and kids are inside, this would be a great time to take the guys and work on chopping down this tree. I was a bad dad and a bad husband that day. We got the tree removed. But I totally missed the point of my baby's first birthday party. And I kind of heard about that, you know. I mean, that's not a, I missed the point of that day. Sorry, Ashley. <clears throat> but sometimes we miss the point of big days. And I don't want us to miss the point of this day. I start thinking of other things about big days. And then I think sometimes we don't even understand the reason for the day. Uh, we have these big days and... What's the reason? Maybe you even entered here today and go, what's Easter again? I mean, that word Easter, what's that even mean? How do bunnies and eggs go together? How does celebrating a Jewish man rising from the dead and eating ham go together? What, what's, yeah, yeah, you think through that one. What's the reason for this day? Then I started thinking about other holidays. I thought, St. Patrick's Day, what's, what's that all about? Now, St. Patrick, great guy. I've been to Ireland. I've read some things about him. Great man, but he was either born in Scotland or Britain. He's not even Irish. And yet, that's the day we dress up in green. We go around pinching each other. What's the reason for that day? Some of you are like, well, so that we can drink something that night. I don't know the purpose of that day. Sometimes we can think that with Easter. Then I thought of another day. What is April Fool's? Okay. What is April Fool's Day? Somebody in our office called it April Fool's Holiday. Like it's a special holiday. It's like, but what is this day? Now this week it happened to fall on a Wednesday. That was the day we do our staff meeting. So our staff came together. And you know it's not too uncommon around our office for somebody, you, to bring in snacks. And I'm not necessarily advocating that. But it happens. And so I noticed in the middle of the week last week. There were these chocolate covered cherries in our office. And okay cool. I'm going to pass. 
I'm fasting from sugar. Thank the Lord that I made that fast. But anyway, we have these chocolate-covered cherries, and there's also April Fool's, and I didn't really put the two together. Nor did Chris Spivey, bless him, and he said, food! Um, 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 um. It wasn't a chocolate-covered cherry. It was a chocolate-covered cotton ball. <laughs> My son came into the office, hey, chocolate-covered cherries! He found the same thing. But what's the reason for that day? And it was a fun day. That was a fun day, but what's the reason for that one? And I thought, you know what? I I don't want to misunderstand the reason for this day. I would hope that when you go to bed tonight, you say, you know what? It wasn't just about eggs and a party or ham, but oh yeah. There's more to this day. Could I simply say that today we celebrate that Jesus is alive? If you're taking notes, if you'd write that down. Simply, today, Easter, we celebrate that Jesus is alive. This is a crazy story, if you start to think about it, that he was crucified. And the object of crucifixion was to kill. As gruesome and as torturously as they could, they would, they, the, the goal was to kill. And Jesus was killed. Put in a tomb. But he, he rose from the dead and he appeared. I want to read some of that to you today because I don't want you to miss the point of this day. I don't want us to miss the meaning of this big day. Follow along as I read Luke chapter 24, page 884, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, that is this Sunday, at early dawn, they, that is the women who went to the cross with Jesus, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you... While he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. If you'd like to look that story up, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, if you're taking notes, you can read about Jesus talking about that. Verse 8, they remembered then Jesus' words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary... the mother of James, and the other women with them who had told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. As I look at this story, and there's certainly more to it, we'll stop here. As I look at the story and these events, I want to share a few thoughts today to help us get the point of this day. I want to share a few thoughts to help us understand the reason that this is the big day for us. Point number one I'd like to make is this. This day in the empty tomb, what it does is it validates the life and the teachings of Jesus. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? That this day that we celebrate, the empty tomb of Jesus, it validates 
the life and teachings of Jesus. He said many things. One of the things he said, Jesus said that he would die and be raised. He said, listen, they are going to crucify me. I will be handed over. I will die. But I will be raised from the dead. They didn't get that. They're like, he must be speaking in some weird language. But Jesus said he would die and be raised. He said a lot of things, didn't he? But to tell of your resurrection and then to be raised again, I'll say this, we might want to be listening to him. Because he proved himself true. I started thinking about us. The way of us is to break promises. We say things and then it just doesn't happen. We, we promise love and then we don't show it. We promise not to hurt and we continue to hurt people. We promise and we over deliver and we, or we over promise, but what? We always under deliver. It's just part of our brokenness. Not the way of Jesus, but that's the way of us. Reminded me of a story back in the 1800s. A Baptist preacher named William Miller. No relation, I hope. But William Miller in the 1840s said, Jesus is going to return. I've done my studying. I've figured it out. Even though Jesus said no one knows, I have figured it out. It's going to be in this year. Everybody in our church, listen, Jesus is coming back. Now, I think the warning is good. The, the, The heads up is a good thing. I'll tell you he is coming. I just don't know when. Could be before this service is over. But he is coming. William Miller says he's coming this year. So sell all your possessions. Be so ready. And I think there's something good for being ready. But these people sell their possessions. Thousands of people sold their possessions because William Miller had promised something. Well, guess what? Jesus didn't return. He didn't. It's called the Great Disappointment of 1844. Great Disappointment in America. These people were waiting. They were waiting. They even had a name for themselves who followed this guy. They were the Millerites. I'm not going to do that, all right? We're not going (laughs) to... Bad name. But the Millerites, they waited and they waited and Jesus didn't return. Uh, William Miller didn't have the words of life. William Miller didn't have the answers, but... Jesus does, doesn't he? Does Jesus have the answers? You see, Jesus is alive today, the one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Today he is preparing a place for you and me. He's praying for us as we speak. He's alive and well. And because there was an empty tomb, because he appeared to more than 500 people over a period of 40 days, I want you to know that you can take all of his words to the bank. You can take them even to heaven with you. Because when Jesus spoke, things happened. He said, I'm going to die and be raised from the dead. And he did. Appeared to more than 500 people. That's more than in this room. Over a period of 40 days, he says, look at my scars. I was the one that was crucified. I was the one that was dead, but I'm alive. I'm going to the Father. Trust in me. I want to show you a quote here on the screen that kind of sums up everything I'm trying to say. I found this and it said this. If a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I just go with whatever that man says. Maybe that's my new life motto and maybe it should be yours as well. I just go with whatever that man says. I would encourage you to read his words. 
from this Gospel of Luke, from the Gospel of John. I just go with what that man says. You see, this day, this empty tomb, it validates the life and the teachings of Jesus. Secondly, I want to say this, that this day in the empty tomb solidifies our faith in Jesus. We've been talking for a couple months about our faith and, and our, our, that we have faith in Jesus and that at many times in life we lack faith in Jesus. You know, our health starts failing and we think, oh, maybe Jesus forgot me. And then our finances go bad and we think, oh, maybe Jesus forgot me. And then something else goes wrong in relationships and we say, oh, God doesn't care about me. And we lose faith at times. But this day, this empty tomb, it solidifies our faith in Jesus. That yes, he's the one to lean on completely. He's the one to trust in completely. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you just want a great chapter, read this chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul's a smart man and he just kind of lays out this day and what this means. But he says this. He says, if Jesus isn't alive, we are to be pitied. We are to be pitied. He says, if Jesus isn't alive, we are the most miserable people on earth. Because we're wasting today. You could have been at the beach today. You could have slept in today. Those of you who were helping prepare this, you wasted your time. If Jesus isn't alive, we are to be pitied. You give your offerings? What a waste if Jesus isn't alive. You see, if, if life is just about this life, then go eat, drink, and be merry. What are you doing here? If you don't believe that Jesus is alive, this is a waste. Live for yourself. If this is the only life, if you've only got a few more years, live for yourself. Spend it on yourself. But this day, this empty tomb shows us that there is something validated here. There's something that solidifies our faith. And because Jesus is alive, then we have hope. Because Jesus is alive, we have purpose. Because Jesus is alive, we have meaning. And so none of your good deeds go unseen. Because Jesus is alive, we have hope. I'll tell you, it breaks my heart. First service, I was looking out here and I saw some tears. I, I, and I just know some of your stories. Life is difficult. And this is a thing that Jesus promised. He said, in this world you will have trouble. And if he says it, it's true. But you and I know that, right? In this world we will have trouble. For Jesus, he had trouble. People were shouting for him one Sunday. By the next Friday, they were crucifying him. If this is the only life, we're in trouble. But the empty tomb gives us hope. Because Jesus is alive, there's hope even in your troubles today. You're saying, man, my bank account's in bad shape. I'll tell you, there's hope because Jesus is alive. You say, my relationships aren't going very well right now. I'll tell you, there is hope because Jesus is alive. You say, my health is deteriorating. It's deteriorating for my loved ones. We're dying. I'll tell you, because Jesus is alive, there is hope. He's the overcomer. And if God is for us, then who really can be against us? And I know this, besides the fact that life is full of troubles, I know that death has a sting, doesn't it? You've 
buried loved ones. I've performed services for your loved ones. Death has a sting. It did for Jesus. It did for those around watching him die. And then the moment of death, hope seems so far away. But I want you to know this day, this empty tomb, means that Jesus defeated death. It's the point of today. We said this phrase Friday night. His death was the death of death. His death was the death of death. That gives us hope. And so this day is a beautiful day. The empty tomb, it gives us hope and it solidifies our faith. But lastly, the last point I want to share with you today, and the one I want to belabor the most is this one, that this day, the empty tomb, it points us to a God who wants to come alive in us. All right? This empty tomb that we talk about, it, it validates Jesus' life and his teachings, and, it, and it, it solidifies our faith. But this day, if you want to know what is this day about, this day points us to a God who wants to come alive again in you and me. You see, this isn't just something that happened about 2,000 years ago and go, hey, that was pretty cool. I haven't seen a miracle like that. No, it's not just a miracle that happened. It's a miracle that continues to happen, that God wants to come alive in every single one of us, even today. This day points us to a God who wants to come to life in us. Now, to get to that point to coming alive, let's go back a little bit. Because to get to an empty tomb, there first had to be a death. There first had to be a death. To celebrate what we're doing today, there had to be a death. Some of us were here Friday night, and that's all we remembered, that there was a death. We turned off the lights, the shutters were closed. It was just, it was gloom. To celebrate today, to have the, this party and the reception and all of these good feelings, there had to be a death. And for God to come alive in you, catch this, there has to be a death in you. There has to be a death to self. There has to be a death to your will. There has to be a death to your dreams. You see, Jesus had to experience a death to be able to become the victorious one. But for God to come alive in each and every one of us, there has to be a death. And I want to say this, that God is graciously at work in deconstructing us. Would you write this down? This is a weird phrase, but I've been thinking through this. And it is so right that God is graciously, means he's doing it with love and compassion and comfort. But God is graciously deconstructing us. He's breaking us apart. What? This is what he's doing. Because in order to have life, there has to be some death. And this is what God would want for me today and for every single one of you. He says, I want to break you apart. I want you to experience some death. Because there are things in all of us that need to die so that I can come alive in you. Started thinking about this as... What God is trying to do, he's breaking us down so that he can clean us and prune us and things like that. I started thinking about our building. 
you look in your worship program, you've got this nice, beautiful insert. Would you grab that again? It says building dedication service. Three weeks from today, we're going to gather here, one service, just to say thank you to God. Here's the story, because some of you don't know this. You're visiting with us from out of town, whatever it might be. Over a year and a half ago, we had a fire in this building. Smoke damage caused a massive headache for us. Millions of dollars of damage. Prior to the fire, though, I remember walking through the hallways with some of our staff, and I said this. I said, I don't know how, but this tile floor, it's about 10 years old. It's got so many cracks. How could we ever replace it? We have to, but that's so much money. And then while we're at that, how would we ever repaint this building? But it's so old of paint, it needs... And the wiring in this building, some of it's 100 years old. How could we rewire this? It's going to cost so much money. And the lighting, how do we get new efficient lighting? We can't afford all this. How could we get something so vibrant and full of life? Now, I was out of the country when the fire happened, so don't blame me. But God had a plan. He said, you know what? If there is death and deconstruction through a fire, and thank him for insurance, (laughs) he says, through a process of deconstruction, there will be life. And we're going to celebrate that in three weeks. Not that we have the coolest building around or anything like that, but just thank you, God, that you did some deconstruction and our insurance is paying for this. And through all this hard work and waiting, we're going to get a beautiful building with new carpets and new paint, and new efficient lighting, new wiring. Those floors that I was worried about, oh, we have beautiful floors now. And I thought, isn't that what God is doing in each and every one of us? He says, I want to come alive in you. Just as my son was raised from the dead, I want to come alive in you. But to do that, there has to be some death first. There has to be some deconstruction. There has to be some breaking down of the old. I then started thinking, well, God has done this to other people. It's not just to us. This is really what his story in all mankind. I was thinking of Peter, the apostle Peter. He grew up, he was a fisherman, he was just going to do his dad's trade, and I'm just going to be the best fisherman I can, I'm going to make a lot of money in it, and hopefully retire early, meet a wife that likes fishing, and we'll have a good time. God had different plans for him, better plans for him. Jesus said, come follow me, Peter. Are you willing to say no to your dreams to follow my dreams for you, Peter? Peter says, "Mm, yeah, I think I want that. And certainly Peter still had broken areas of his life. But what God does is he breaks him down even to the point that Peter, after three years being with Jesus, denies him three times prior to the crucifixion. But Peter, what happens, Jesus comes alive in him. And if you read the first half of the book of Acts, he becomes the great leader of the early Christian church. This ordinary fisherman whom Jesus comes alive in becomes this great leader of the Christian church. Because Jesus came alive in him after Jesus had deconstructed him for a few years. I then think of Mary Magdalene. We read about her right there in Luke chapter 24. Mary Magdalene. She was a wealthy woman. She had money. And yet she also had some problems. She had demons. She had hurts. And Jesus comes up to her and says, let me 
fix you and heal you. But let me break some of this, your, your grip of money. Let me loosen your fingers from this to the one that she ends up supporting Jesus in his ministry. She's one of his great supporters. Jesus says, would you give up your dreams, Mary? Because money, if that's your dream, you'll see that you're having a tough life. If you give up your dreams for my dreams for you, you'll have a great life now and for all eternity. And who is the first person that Jesus appears to on that Sunday morning? It was Mary. Mary Magdalene. I then started thinking about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, very self-righteous man. So here's a churchgoer, okay? Somebody, a leader in the church. I mean, he knew this so good. And his, he was so righteous in the eyes of everyone. And Jesus says, you know what? I need to break you down a little bit. I need to break your pride. I need you to get to the core to see that you need a Savior and it's not you. The Apostle Paul finally says, will, will I give up my dreams for God's dreams for me. And Paul says, yes, I will. And he later writes this passage that you and I have been looking at over the last couple months. Says this in Galatians chapter 2. Let's look at this. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, there's a part of me that died when Jesus died. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Here's what he's saying. Jesus, I have allowed him to come alive in me. He's the one that gives me life. He's the one I live for. I said no to my dreams. I said yes to his dreams for me. And now he's the one that lives in me. And the life I now live, the Apostle Paul says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians chapter 3, if you're taking notes, let me share this little prayer with you. The Apostle Paul writes this to a church like us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, the Apostle Paul wrote this prayer and he says this. Here's my prayer. That you would be strengthened by God so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. He says, this is my prayer for you, church, that Jesus would come alive in you. Yes, he came alive years ago, but he wants to come alive in you. And this is my prayer. This is my prayer for me. This is my prayer for you. That Jesus would dwell in your hearts. That he would live there. He would come alive in you. It's not just an event we look back at and go, Good job, Jesus. That was cool. Bring out the ham. I'm going to eat some though today. But it's a day to say, wait, the point of today, the meaning of today is that Jesus would come alive again in me. And tomorrow that he would come alive again in me. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. You see, God the Father is at work in deconstructing each of us. Whether you like this or not, he says, my goal is to break off all the rough edges on you. I want to get you down to a point that you say, Jesus, come into my life, come alive in me. And he will continue to do that. And you're going to fight against it and say, no, if I, just, if I make more money, I don't need him. If I do better in my relationships, I don't need him. You know, if I just build this body up strong, I don't need him. And he's going to continue to deconstruct you so that he can reconstruct you. So that Jesus can come alive in you and me. 
So here's a tough question for us. Would you give up your dreams of you for God's dream for you? Like, oh man, I want this and this. Wait, are you willing to give that up, your dream for you, to embrace God's dream for you? Because that's what he's at work. He's saying, I'm going to deconstruct you so that I can reconstruct you. So that my son can come alive in your life. I got to admit, it sounds a little scary. God deconstructing me. Oh, I don't want that. Man, I just want a nice, easy life, right? There's a gentleman who's used to sit back there and now his body is wasting away and he's close to home with the Savior. He's at the Mennonite village. And I would tell him, I'd say, I want an easier week this week than last week. And he'd say, no, you don't. I'm like, no, I do. He goes, no. In essence, he was saying, God wants to deconstruct you this week. Because when he does, he will reconstruct you to be a man of character. And Jesus will live in you. And I'm like, I don't want that. Some of you are like, oh, I don't want that this week. But this is the best possible way to live life. And if Jesus says this is the best possible way, the one who said, I will die and be raised to life and did, if he says this is the best possible way today and for all eternity... And I'm just going to do what that guy says, right? Let me finish today by speaking to two different types of people in here. And I don't know which one's which. There are those of you who are Christians, you're Christ followers. You've said at some point in your life, I need a Savior. Let me speak to you for a minute. And although you have a family relationship with God... Your sins are forgiven. You know that when this life is over, you're going to spend all eternity with him. Even though you know that, you know this about yourself, that there are still dead parts in you, right? You know you still have anger and you don't like that. You know you still have bitterness, unforgiveness, lust, greed, pride, Man, there's a lot of dead stuff in me. Doesn't change your relationship with the Lord. You're in his family. Your sins are forgiven. But you know, I've still got this dead stuff in me. Here's a question for you. Christians, let me ask you first. Will you allow Jesus to come alive in you? On this Easter day, with the empty tomb, will you allow him to come alive in you today, this moment, this week? Every day for the rest of your life. Will you allow him to come alive in you? Will you allow him to deconstruct you so that he can bring blessing out of brokenness? Now you have the salvation of your souls, but will you allow Jesus to continue to do cleaning and pruning? And deconstructing in your life. That he could reconstruct a new and better you. Let me take a moment and talk to some of you that are Christ explorers. That's 
I don't know a better word other than you're just exploring him. Somebody dragged you here today. I don't know what it is. And you're saying, I'm not sure I need a savior. I'm not sure if it's Jesus. Whatever the reason, but you're exploring Jesus today. Let me say some things to you today. I want you to know that God is offering you today a great offer. And he says, I'm offering to you family relationship with the God of the universe. He says, it's not based on what you've done. It's not based on how you are going to perform in the coming days. But simply, will you allow my son to come alive in you? And if he does, he will forgive all your sins and you will be in my family. He says, I offer peace. You and me, we're at peace. You're saying, wow, the God of the universe, me and him at peace with one another? He says, that's what I offer you. You say, man, I've got a messed up life. He says, my son took care of that. I'm offering peace to you with God. I imagine some of you who are exploring Jesus, you might put your head on the pillow when you think about it and just say, what happens when this life is over? Is there a better way to live this life today? And it has to do with allowing Jesus to come alive in you. He wants to be allowed into your life. And he wants to give you life. He wants to bring you life. He wants you to experience love. He wants you to experience forgiveness. He wants to come alive in you. Because he knows you experience this too. You experience anger. And you have the same things. Bitterness. Unforgiveness, lust, greed, pride. Your sins just aren't forgiven yet. And you're trying to remedy this and hide from him and all these things. And he says, simply come to me. Let me come alive in you and I will wipe your slate clean. Now and for all eternity. So the question is for you as well. Will you, Jesus Explorer, will you allow Jesus to come alive in you today? Will you? I'll tell you, he'll give you the salvation of your soul. And then as you allow him, he'll do cleaning and pruning. And he will reconstruct the best you possible. Some of you might be saying, well, how's that happen? What do I have to do then? Sign me up. Certainly you can write on that card and say, tell me more about Jesus, and we will. We'd love to help explain more of Jesus to you. A couple of years ago, a gentleman sees me before the service, and he says, today's the day. And I knew what he meant. He says, what do I have to do to be saved? I'm like, praise the Lord. I haven't even given my message yet. And this guy wants to be saved, you know. I mean, this guy. I said, do you want to do this now, or do you want to do this at the end of the service? He says, End of the service is fine with me. When we got to the end of the service, I told him about Jesus again, and he had heard about Jesus before, but he simply said, this is what I need. Jesus, come alive in my life. It's one of the greatest days. I think, oh, and I want more of that, not for me, but for you. We've had people praying, Lord, break through hearts even today. That someone would say, what do I have to do to be saved? And it's simply... To say to God, I need you. I need a savior. Would you come alive in my life? And he says, yep, I will. 
I'll change you from the inside out from now and for all eternity. And I just want to make that offer for anyone that's here today that says, I'm not sure what to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity as we close in prayer in a bit just to say to God, I need you. I mean, this empty tomb, it validates your life and what you said and it It's going to solidify my faith, but it really is pointing me to the God who wants to come alive in me today. And so that's the question I'd have for you. Will you allow Jesus to come alive in you? Will you allow Jesus to come alive in you? I'm asking that of every single person in this room today. Will you allow Jesus to come alive in you? For those of you who've walked with Jesus for years to say, you know what, I've kind of closed my heart for a season. Will you allow him to come alive in you again? Maybe for some of you, it's the very first time. Will you allow him to come alive in you for the very first time? Because this is what he wants. This is the point of this day. That not only he did come to life, but he wants to continue to come alive. I need Jesus to come alive in me every single moment of every single day. And you do too. Don't. Don't miss the point of this day. Don't miss the meaning of the empty tomb. Jesus wants to come alive in you and every single one of us today. So for Jesus to do this, it's simply we allow him to deconstruct us and say, have your way. I can see that there could be a better version of me. I can see that I've got a bunch of rough edges that need to be deconstructed. I'm going to open my life to you to graciously do this. I'm going to pray in just a minute. And after I do, we're going to sing a couple songs first song is really just this prayer that God would you break down these things in my life so that you could enter in and then we're going to sing with great victory because God has done that and he is doing that and he will continue to do that because the God of the empty tomb 2,000 years ago is the one who's alive today and wants to keep coming alive in us and we're going to celebrate But there's a response for us. What are we going to do with that today? So I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me. Let's spend some time looking to this God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who raised him from the dead. I know that some of you are ready to reiterate prayers of God come alive again in me. May this be the prayer of my, the rest of my life coming alive in me every day, every moment. And so pray that to him. God, come alive in me. Maybe you're here today like my friend a few years ago who said today has to be my day. What do I have to do? God says simply you go before him and just say, God, I've run from you for far too long. I need a savior. I need someone to forgive my sins. 
I need you to come alive in my life. Please do. And as you say that, he does. It's amazing how this happens, but he says, this is where I've wanted to be. I want to come alive in you. I want to live in your heart. And what I will do is I will graciously deconstruct, but I will reconstruct my, life, my son's life in you, it will produce love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And it's not that you have to start working harder. It's just that his life will be in you and he will change you. If you're here today, whether for the first time or you've been following Jesus for years and you're saying God come alive again in me just whisper that to the Lord right now come alive in me Jesus come alive in me and he says I am and I will Heavenly Father I thank you that that's what you do this wasn't just an event that we look back at and say wow that was amazing but it's an event that is taking place today. That you are coming alive in my life and in the life of my brothers and sisters. Some for the first time, some again because we've closed our heart to you. But I thank you that you break us down, that you could come to life again. I thank you that you broke your son down to the point of death on the cross but you raised him to life and that gives us a glimpse of what you're doing in us. So you are to be praised, the one who is alive. You are the one to be praised, the one who makes us alive. So thank you for this day. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We love you. We pray this in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus. Amen, amen. Would you stand as we sing these last two songs?